Welcome back to the Bowl Call Fantasy Football Podcast. We're looking at rookies from a dynasty perspective. We've got wide receiver rankings, running back rankings, and some fun bets ahead of the 2022 NFL Draft. I've got my man himself, the Encyclopedia Footballica, hmm. a man with more knowledge of football statistics than most people have of all topics combined in their lifetime. Alan Sislowski. With me today, the dream team back together again. What's oh, up, yeah. my man? We're taking a look at fantasy dynasty rookies today, Alan. Well, the draft is about a week away, so it's it's time to you know educate the people and get everything. Just talk about the top storylines and how we could leverage that in our dynasty leagues. So I think that that it's you know this is the perfect time to do it because we've seen players' values go up go down, restabilize, you know, we, there's a lot of smoke screen talk to get through. So let's, uh, let's make sense of it for everybody. I love it. I love it. And, and as you know, these, these kind of breakdowns, they really prepare you, not just for your fantasy. Hey, listen, dynasty fantasy football is the king of formats. Let's start there. It's the best of all formats and the best you've got to go into your dynasty draft, the NFL draft, really understanding these players, understanding, the values that are going to exist in the first round this season for your draft picks and all of that. So it's a really, really important um, discussion. And I think one of the, one of the biggest things is just understanding who are some of these players to be targeting where we're hoping some of them go. And are we going to adjust our opinions of them? Assuming that they go to the wrong spot. So let's start with the running back position uh, says, and, and, Break it down for me at the top. I know there's some high-level running backs. Brees Hall clearly being discussed as the top overall pick. Where do we go from there? Yeah, I think the best way to, to start the conversation is saying that uh, I think NFL teams are wising up that it's not optimal to take a running back in the first round of the real NFL draft. Now, we saw it last year with Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. Now, no surprise that Urban Meyer and the Donkey Jaguars took a, a – a pass catching running back. So it's more defensible, but I think we could all agree as much as we like Najee Harris, that it, it just doesn't make sense, especially when the quarterback was kind of toast Ben Roethlisberger last year. I mean, it's excusable from a process perspective. If it's the final piece of icing on top of the cake, right? Like what the chiefs theoretically did with Clyde Edwards Hilaire wasn't the right move, but if they had taken Jonathan Taylor or Deandre Swift, we might be having a different conversation. So if you're going to take, a running back in the first round in 2022 and beyond, you want it to be the absolute last piece that you think is going to get you to that next level of Super Bowl. That so this year, there, I mean, the the, the DraftKings odds tell us that there's not going to be or that there's likely not to be a running back in the first round. The only team that could do it, and I highly doubt they would do it, I think would be the Buffalo Bills at at 25. And the reason is because they told us that, you know, sure, we like Devin Singletary. He had a nice stretch run, but we need something else. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick. He walked away from the deal. So we know that they want to add someone. Does that mean they're going to add a running back in the first round? Not necessarily. There's plenty of depth in this class. So I think that's the next layer of what you asked me. There's Brees Hall out of Iowa State. He's the, the, the cream of the crop in this class, but the sweet spot for him is probably around pick 50, maybe pick 35 to 50. And then, you know, there's another couple running backs that could go in round two, but I think in round three, round four, round five, we're going to see, uh, you know, seven or eight guys go, and they all have different specific skill sets. 
Yeah, I, I have heard. I did see a blurb recently about the Bills that they're not averse to taking a running back in the first round. But what is the what are what are the lines on the? I'm sure it's zero point five RBs in the first round. What what yeah. what are, are you seeing? A minus one ninety to yeah. take a, for the uh, for the under over. So basically, if you think there's going to be a running back in the first round, it's plus one forty five. Yeah, and and I think you and I both like the minus one ninety there. Um, the sports book I'm looking at, it doesn't even have that prop. So it's so convinced that no running backs will go on the first. It didn't even bother to throw up a running back prop, um, for the first round. But more importantly to me, Brees Hall, he catches passes. Give me a little prospect breakdown of him. And is he the number one overall pick in your dynasty league this season, regardless of where he goes? So I, a lot of, so let's start with your first question, Brees Hall. When you break him down, he's a three down skill set, checks all the boxes, uh, has the massive production tested through the roof at the at the combine. Uh, I mean, he, you know, his best comparables. I mean, if you look at just like his profile alone, uh, his pro. I mean, Jonathan Taylor has similar metrics. Saquon Barkley had similar metrics. I mean, he he compares with the best of the best. It's not unreasonable in a startup draft sight unseen to take him in the top five or six running backs off the board, especially given that he's only 20 years old. He's not even 21 yet. He's so, young. I mean, they're right. There is some risk there. I mean, it'd be similar to talking about like Javante Williams, right? We, we all like Javante Williams as a top two or three running back. You've been on the forefront of that, but you know, landing spot is going to matter. What happens if the Washington commanders have Brees Hall and then it's him and Antonio Gibson, right? Then we're not as excited. So, so who are the, who are the destructors of Brees Hall? Like who are, if you're, if you're picking one, one and you're watching the draft and you're like, I want Brees Hall landing somewhere. That's going to be great for me. Right. Who, where, give me some of the spots where you're like, Oh no, I'm screwed. And give me some of the spots where you're like, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, I think that the spot I'm screwed would – so, okay, let's assume for a minute the sweet spot for the first running back. Running back one is pick 33, the beginning of the second round, to say pick 50, right, which is the middle of the second yeah. round. All right, so if we go down, let's start Let's start with the good. Can we start with the good? Sure. Okay, the good would be Houston at pick 37. They don't have a – you know, an alpha runner right now they have Rex Burkhead, Marlon Mack, and I think a bunch Roy of garbage Spring. over there, yeah, bunch a bunch of garbage. Of, so, yeah. so even though the team, I know you love running backs on good teams, but we I, think that they're ascending. I mean, and the opportunity would be there. Go ahead. Can't be descending. If you're Houston, like it doesn't get much worse. <laughs> so they have to be, I don't love it, but you're going to get a, a player on a bad team. It's not it's the top of the round. There's no good teams here. But also, just right from an opportunity perspective, like he can walk in day one and be a twenty-touch runner that catches passes. And you know, listen, it's still an NFL team that if they're going to be behind, it's not like he's a two-down grinder. He will be involved in the passing game. So I think Houston, even though it's a bad team at pick thirty-seven, that's a good landing spot. All right, moving down a little bit, the Jets have pick thirty-eight. Michael Carter's there. I'm mixed on this one. I think it's better for real football. I wouldn't be overly excited about it, but so I think that would be a not so great. That's spot. a bad one. That's a, that's a ruinous pick. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then the next one is Seattle. They have two picks in a row, pick 40 and 41. I think that's, was it the two? It's about the ninth and 10th pick or 10th and 11th pick in the second round. Let me, let me, let me throw this at you. I think Brees Hall doesn't get past Seattle. If he makes it to Seattle, that's where he's, that's where and that's his firewall, right? That's there. the firewall to me. There's no way Seattle has two picks low and that they like to me, that's the firewall. He should not make it past them because they desperately need a running back. 
Yeah, here, here's the other thing, though, is that they need so many pieces now that Russell Wilson's gone. They need to rebuild that team offensively and defensively. They may, you know, they may say to themselves, hey, we can get a running back in the later round. We could re uh, resign Rashad Penny. Or if one of the quarterbacks that they like slips to like pick 30, pick 31, they may use those two picks to get up into that first round in order to get that fifth year option. So it's not a lock that they're going to pick there either. Yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting, but but I still think uh, without that, that aside, that's the spot they need a running back bed, and I think that would be a great landing spot forever. I could also see Seattle flipping the script because this is what they do, and Brees Hall is there, but they kind of go with Kenneth Walker or some other guy that they think you know pull a a Chiefs Clyde Edwards Hilaire move on us and just kind of surprise you with one of Pete Carroll's guys. You you know how he, he'll just do that. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, I think one of the better spots is pick 43. Now, this is a real running back spot, even if it's not RB1. If it's not Brees Hall, pick 43 Atlanta, that seems like a good spot. That could be RB2. That could be Kenneth Walker if he's the second runner off the board um, out of Michigan yeah. State. So those are those are the spots where usually the first two running backs will go. I've seen some credible mocks that they only have two running backs in the second round, possibly a third, and then the next running back not coming off the board until like pick 96 when the Saints uh, – sorry, in the 90s. Uh, that's into the third – 98. That's when the Saints pick in the third round. That's uh, – and again, it – I, but starting in round three, round four, you're just going to see 10 of these guys go off the board. I mean, there's pass catching running backs like James Cook, who, you know, is Dalvin Cook's brother. You have Zamir White, who NFL teams like, who's more of a two down grinder uh, at it, both of those running backs coming out of Georgia. So the second round of your rookie dynasty drafts could be loaded with these debt unclear situations on depth charts, which is always good for fantasy. You and I have talked about this many, many times. The way you want to navigate your dynasty rookie draft is very much with, you know, you want to take your solid prospects, your highly drafted, high draft capital players in round one, and then load up on load up on these running backs that just go to random spots in round two and three. Those guys just emerge. Uh, you know, it might take a season or two and sometimes it takes an injury and all of a sudden Khalil Herbert is out there Right. Um, or Dearness Johnson's going crazy. So you want these guys just on your bench and on your taxi squad in your dynasty league. That's that's how you accidentally yeah. find starting running backs in the draft. That's your best approach. Yeah, and the best case scenario with something like that is you land on Elijah Mitchell. You take you know Elijah Mitchell in the third round of your rookie of your rookie draft, and all of a sudden you have a full year starter. The downside of it is you land on say Jarrett Patterson, where Okay, you know, there was a couple opportunities for him to get in there. It never really panned out in, in the first couple of years here. But, you know, so and there's everything in between. Like you you mentioned Khalil Herbert. That's a great example because that's a player that you were on a roll, you were winning, and then all of a sudden, you you know, you maybe you got a, a, an injured running back on your team and he plugged a hole for you for two or three weeks. I mean, that's exactly what you want out of these third-round running backs. And, and ready to step up for longer. So, so let's – Let's kind of go through the rest of this running back class and, and give us a couple of, you know, uh, we could talk about some of the highly touted prospects and then we get into a couple of sleepers we might find late. But Kenneth Walker, you mentioned him, K Dubs, Dynamite Walker. <laughs> JJ Walker, right? Is that the uh, 
<laughs> yeah, now Kenneth Walker, uh, he's he's out of Michigan State. I mean, he just had tons of, of rushing production. Uh, the, the knock on him is is similar to what we heard about Jonathan Taylor, that he just doesn't catch the ball. And we don't know that he doesn't catch the ball. We know that he didn't catch the ball at Michigan State. They, you know, maybe it was because they didn't have to throw to him. You know, I mean, that's people don't he because he did fine in the passing drills at uh, at the pro day. Sorry, at the um, at all the testing, in the combine. So, you know, it's Kenneth Walker. He's just a, one of those like. Let me give you his measurables. He's five foot nine. He's 211 pounds. Perfect size, right? Uh, I mean, 40 yard dash was 98th percentile. It was 4.38. I mean, this guy blazed. If you look at any of the tape, I mean, he flies, right? It's he, um, you know, big yards per carry 5.5. I mean, every time that he touches the ball, it's there, there's a possibility he's taking it to the house. Uh, player profiler has him comp to Ladanian Tomlinson from a running perspective. Uh, you know, he's going to be a, pol- that's quite the comparison, right? For, exactly. Right I mean, just talking yeah. about workout metrics wise now he's, he's a, likely never to be like a top five or eight running back, but he's probably going to be like the RB 11 to RB 14, like almost every year. Just think of it like Nick Chubb. Nick in a Chubb sense. was the, is the person that comes to mind because he doesn't catch passes. But I, I wonder, like you said, we don't know that he can't catch passes. We just right. don't know. Don't he didn't. Right. What if he goes to a team where, you know, we know certain quarterbacks dump off. I mean, uh, you know, we know certain like, running quarterbacks usually do not. So like that, maybe that's what hurt Miles Sanders is that he's been playing with quarterbacks that don't dump the ball off, for example. But let's say Kenneth Walker stop goes trying to, to make. No, stop. Trying I know. To make Miles Forget Sanders. it. It's over. Yeah. Right. It's over it's enough. But who. So if Kenneth Walker goes to let's now. All right. Let's say he ends up being, you know, the. Well, Buffalo is a bad example because we know Josh Allen tucks it. That, run, that's if- a Seattle guy too. I could see him going to Seattle. I'm so I'm going to keep mentioning Seattle because it's such a good right. spot for a guy. But a guy like this, like Seattle, doesn't care. They'll have two running backs. The the thing is, you're there'll be two guys, right? Most teams that you're going to go to, they're going to have their two down grinder and they're going to have their third down back. But the question is, can the two down grinder catch a pass every once in a while? And I think a big part of this that we don't talk about, and I think it's it's very underrated, and there's no way of knowing going into the draft, really, or that I could tell, is can he pass block? Because I think that is much more of a determinative factor if a guy's truly a three-down back. Can he pass protect? Can he do it? And I don't, I've never seen – I don't know that you can know that before they so, make it to the team. Funny enough, funny enough you mentioned that, is that the knock on Brees Hall – is that he makes a business decision when it comes to uh, that's a pass problem. blocking. Yeah, that's right. a problem. And that it's not that he just doesn't do it. He just wasn't willing, based on some of the film grinders' observations, to stick his nose in there. Kenneth Walker was a little different. He he was in there pass blocking. Again, he's more of a bruiser type. He, certainly a less of a finesse guy. Speed speed player. Again, talking about like Jonathan Taylor. Uh, so Brees Hall, we haven't seen it yet, but his skill set is so dynamic. I think that whoever takes him, if he's the RB1, I mean, he's one of the better prospects that's come out in the last half decade, that that won't matter too much. But yes, generally, when you start talking about it getting on the field, protecting the quarterback, let's say New England, well, New England's not going to draft one because they have two two running backs at this point. But yeah, you want someone that's going to stick yeah. their nose in there. So they can look, at, the field. look at Joe Mixon. Cannot stay on the field for three downs. An inconsistent fantasy performer because he doesn't, really pass protect well those things are really really critical and it's i think the most underrated part of analyzing these guys not just pre-draft but generally for fantasy football 
punditry in general. Let's let's talk about Isaiah Spiller. I, I want to kind of go down the list. Isaiah Spiller kind of consensus. He, at some point, Isaiah Spiller was being discussed as like maybe one of the top guys. Kind of dropped down consensus three or four, uh, third or fourth best guy. What does he do, and and um, what what can we expect from him as far as a dynasty prospect? Yeah, Isaiah Spiller was the RB1 or the RB2 on a lot of boards before the combine and no player uh from a skill a skill set uh from the skills position hurt himself more than Isaiah Spiller. Uh just, you know, poor testing, unwillingness to test. Uh I mean, it's the NFL is probably going to like Spiller more than uh, fantasy players do. Uh, Isaiah Spiller is probably, I mean, he's massive. He's six foot. He's 217 pounds. His 40 yard dash though was, was a four, six, nine. And again, if that's, I don't put as much weight on the 40 yard dash as, as everybody else does. I, I, maybe that's a leak in my game, but he did have massive production. Uh, he, his best comparison on player profile is TJ Yeldon. So, are you still there? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just going to Yeldon doesn't, you know, nice career. I guess doesn't inspire. You know. he, he could go in the, in the third round. So draft capital is going to play a yeah. big role on how I perceive him. So let's say he ends up, you know what, actually, if he ends up like in the fourth or fifth round, but he has an opportunity. Sure. No problem. But I, the athletic testing could drive him all the way to like the fifth or sixth round. So we'll, we'll see in my rankings, he's going to be totally landing spot dependent. I would still probably put him at the RB four or five. I wouldn't have him as high as three, but you know, I, I, I understand why, why people would still have him at three or four. Yeah. He's, he's kind of floating. Listen, it's uh, we're slow to adjust, but I think a lot of our post-draft analysis is going to come down to where they went opportunity what round they went in how much weight do you personally put into draft capital when you're making your player and your ranking decisions for elite dynasty rankings from uh Sislowski every year rookie dynasty rankings man got me on Amon Ra St. Brown let me tell you something when I say encyclopedia football I'm not kidding around I'm not kidding around. This is why I win all my leagues. It's it's because I I look at your dynasty rankings every year and I'm like, oh, who's this Amon Ra? Okay, right. that's higher than other people have him. All right, let me check him out. Let me check 20... out Elijah Mitchell, who I got from Cody uh, last year over from pro Player Profile, who wound up on a lot of my teams. So give me a little bit of uh, your philosophy on this stuff. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned Amon Ra when you talk about draft capital because he was a player that everyone expected to go in the second round and dropped on, uh, you know, to the fourth round. So that's a decision that you have to kind of square with yourself. You say, okay, we love the talent, we liked everything about his profile, but the NFL didn't like him as much as you know fantasy analysts did. So he dropped to like the middle and sometimes the end of the second round in your rookie dynasty drafts. And, you know, we saw him pay off big, yeah. especially towards the end of the year. We can ar we can argue if, you know, it was because DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson weren't there. There was no other receivers. But at the end of the day, NFL production does reign supreme. So draft capital, I, I think, and not just draft capital. I think this is a, a point that a lot of uh, a lot of players, dynasty players miss. It's not just the draft capital. Oh, round three or round four. It's the order in which these guys were drafted matters, right? So for example, um, if someone's draft capital is round, let's say the first running back goes uh, goes off the board and hypothetically in round three this year, right, in the real NFL draft. But 
that's the first running back taken, then the round three draft capital doesn't matter that much. It's the order in which they're selected that matters. The NFL will tell you what they think of these players, and a lot of the metrics and speed scores and all that kind of stuff are built into draft capital. That's why draft capital is so powerful. Not just because, oh, he's a second-round guy or he's a third-round guy. It's because all of the ingredients of the cake are baked into draft capital. And ultimately, it's what the NFL thinks of these players that's really going to drive their opportunity. And as you say all the time, opportunity is what drives fantasy points. Yeah, and then talent is not something we're going to judge that much better than the NFL. That That's kind of how I look at it as well. It's not like I know better than scouts who have been studying these guys. So um, outside of some things that we can avoid as dynasty Enthusiasts, for example, guys who have stone hands or who can't pass protect or are too physically small for the position or other things like that where you know, uh, well, they took him. He's the number one guy, but they took him as this third down scat back guy because they want that role. You have to be be leery of those spots. But let's get into let's continue with this running back discussion and give me some some sleepers, some guys that aren't quite at the top of the radar, but I might see in the third round of my rookie draft. They're hanging out. They're there. They're a name that I heard Seslowski mention on the Bold Call Fantasy Football podcast where I'm hmm. like, you know what? I'll grab Elijah Mitchell here in the third round instead of some turdly wide receiver. And then we'll get into the wide receiver core. Yeah, sure. So my my favorite guy right now, if you want to talk like sleepers or players that will be available on that like 2-3 turn, is Tyler Algier out of BYU. Tyler Algier, he is he is built like a running back. Uh, I'm pulling up his actual measurables right now, but I, I believe he's like – Five. Hey, let, let's do it the right way. Let me actually pull up his measurables so you could. Uh, let's see. I think he's like 220 pounds. Here it goes. It's coming up right now. Uh, he is five foot 11, 220 pounds, man. Age 22. He is built like an ox. You know, he just had he had all the production. And now, listen, he played. Uh, at BYU, same school that Zach Wilson was at last year, right? So, but for running backs, he'll probably be selected in the third round. Uh, but you know, it, I, I saw him credibly mocked to uh, to New Orleans. What what a nice uh, Mark Ingram replacement yeah. that would be to complement Al, um, New uh, Orleans Kamara. In, yeah, that's an interesting landing spot for a running back because for a running back that has early down yeah. chops. So someone like Algier, who's like you know, RB 10 or RB 11 is somebody who I like a lot when I watched, uh, when I watched some of his uh, highlights and, and film again, I, I'm still learning how to film grind, like some of the experts and I, I'm starting to learn some of the techniques. It's cool. Once you learn what to look for, it really does sharpen your game. It also makes you second guess all your, just your anecdotal observations a lot, but I, I like him a lot. Now the fantasy community really likes Rashad white. They love Rashad White out of uh, Arizona state. Rashad white is best comparable. He's a big guy who can catch passes, right? Shad White, he, I, you know, David, peak David Johnson is what I hear him comp to a lot. The problem is that he's a little bit older for running back. I think he's age 23, similar to how like Najee Harris came out. That never bothers me as much anyway, because you're going to, you know, you figure you're going to get one contract of these guys. Fine. So when he's, I can't hear you. You're on mute. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. You're back, right? You can yeah, no, Rashad, And Rashad White looking like one of the top four or five guys potentially to be drafted this year. Um, I, you know, I don't think the NFL likes him as much as fantasy players do. I think that he could end up being like the ninth or 10th running back drafted. Wow. Okay. And then, so, you know, we did our, our Rotowire mock draft. Jim Coventry took Rashad White at pick seven in the Superflex draft. He took him like 
early in the first round. I told you, fantasy guys, and, wait, and wait, rightfully wait, wait. so. This was a rookie draft. Rookie draft, yeah. Okay, because but Jim likes to plant a flag. Like, I gotta gotta respect that. No, I didn't mean a startup draft. Yeah, I just meant like seventh and like one pick one point seven in a, in a mock rookie draft. He took him in the mid first round, even in a super flex over some of the quarterbacks. Fantasy guys love Rashad White because he's big and he catches passes and he's, you know, he's by all accounts. I mean, he's one of these players that like went to a Juco school first, uh, you know, paid his own education, came up the hard way. You know, coaches are going to love him, but he, he's probably one of these guys that's going to go in like round six. And to say he gets drafted by, again, I use the Washington Commanders. Let's say he's round six um, to, or let's say he goes in round five to Buffalo. Right. So that's a spot we like. Ooh, I think that's great. Right. That's what I'm saying. That would be an example of a good spot. But that round five, round six draft capital is a little bit scary. Well, you know, you really. So in Dynasty, yeah, you got to be careful wasting your first round picks on anyone who doesn't bring. You need it. You need to hit with your first rounder. Dynasty, you only get one of them every year. You yeah, only get Dyn one pick. Yeah. Dynasty is that way. You're allowed to miss on one out of three first rounders and still have a good team. But if you're missing on two out of three, your team is not good. Just how it goes. You need to refresh that team. It's just the math of how Dynasty works. So um, that's really uh, exciting. So here's, I'm here's write some... that name down. Uh, yep. Rashad White. Yep, Rashad White. Yeah, he's going to be popular. He's going to be like people are going to be elbowing each other out of the room. Like you might, you could see Rashad White go ahead of Spiller in a lot of rookie drafts. Yeah, that'll be one of those decisions, and I think a lot of it will have to do with landing spots. I think a lot of these running backs will will um, have to do with landing spots, so it's good to get a sense of the talent, but in the end of the day, where they go, who they're backing well, up, where their well, draft here's, capital is, is going to be a huge part of it. So let's, here's a, let's, can, I, can I just gonna give you an underrated spot? I think that whoever the Titans take to back up Derrick, Derrick Henry is a good landing spot, especially if it's a specific type of back. You, you don't, I mean, look, they, they showed that they were willing to draft the running back in the third round a couple years ago with Darrington Evans. They literally just cut him. He's on the bears now. So they are looking for a backup running back that can give Derrick Henry some in-game relief. They don't want to run Derrick Henry 35 times. They run him that way because they have to, if they can find someone that could take eight to nine touches off of Derrick Henry's play. And I don't mean, just mean, like they can just go for three yards. Someone that can actually add value to their touches. That's a running back that I'm going to be interested in. Yeah. And, and of course the protection All against Derrick Henry's age and, and the fact that maybe he can get hurt again. And you know, there are all these great reasons why even a backup running back can be fantastic. Uh, the, the one that I like specifically, and I'm not even sure he's going to get drafted before the seventh round, is out of Michigan, Hassan Haskins. I mean, this guy's a truck. He he actually had the most bench presses at the combine. He didn't really do any of the drills. But if you put on the uh, the the one game, I believe it was against Ohio State. He he took the game over. I mean, they just fed him. He's a massive, massive size running back, and it. it it's almost like a, a poor man's version of Derrick Henry. If, if uh, wherever Hassan Haskins goes, he's been somebody that I, I'm not sure why the dynasty rankers have him at like RB 14, RB 15. I'd probably have him closer to like nine or 10. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's down there. Uh, RB I like him though. If, when I watched yeah. him again, I just anecdotal watching specifically of that one game. I was like, somebody's going to get, find gold with him. There we go. I love it. So, Let's move on because the strength of this draft class, a lot of people are saying at, at, on offense is wide receiver above 
running back. And there are a couple of interesting bets out there on some of the different sports books uh, for how many wide receivers will go in the first round. I've seen it at over under five and a half. You've seen it at seven and a half over. Under no, 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 no. Five, five and a half is the number where it's at. It's at, okay. It actually just pumped it up to six and a half now. Oh, there we go. Okay. It's at six and a half. So what, what is that number looking like? Cause I've got over five and a half here on this book that I'm looking at, at minus three fifty. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So that, yeah, over. over six, over six and a half is minus one Oh five. Ah, I like that. So six and a half is the expectation number. Well, six that, is the number. That, yeah, right, par. Right, right. yeah, yeah, that's your par six ish. So it's going to be over or under six. Well, that's really hap- interesting. What's happened is there's been two wide receivers that were fringy first rounders that are now thought of as more or less 75% chance to make it into the first round. And those two wide receivers are George Pickens. George Pickens uh, was, he, he was a, uh, produced as a true freshman and what happened was then he uh he he actually got he had a a pretty bad injury and then there was the COVID year so Pickens is now coming to life being pushed back into the first round and the other one is Jahan Dotson out of Penn State Jahan Dotson is like a supercharged Tyler Lockett and who would who doesn't need that on their team now uh Jahan Dotson's like the wide receiver seven in this class pre-draft but if he lands on with an elite quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or with Patrick Mahomes, this is not Mikael Hardman, man. This is a real player. This is this guy has Steve Smith in his game. Five foot eleven, hundred ninety pounds, uh, super supercharged, fast. He has dog in his game. He goes up and gets the football. He'll fight people. He's got huge lift in his feet. So you know you could throw him the ball against these six foot cornerbacks. He'll fight for him, and then you could do end arounds with him. Jahan Dotson, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the most productive wide receiver one year from now based on his landing spot. I mean, if Garrett Wilson uh, at Ohio State goes to the Jets at pick four or ten, and Jahan Dotson's with uh, Patrick Mahomes, and now that you know, Ty- Tyree Kill oh, there. Yeah. You're going to pick I, Jahan. You know, whoever goes, whoever winds up with Mahomes, by the way, and it doesn't – Dotson – doesn't matter who it is. That guy is going to be in demand and he's going to be a guy that is going to get a lot of, you know, he's going to get a lot of volume because they have no one to throw to. Right. But the, the answer is like, well, well, Dotson won't get pushed up the whole way. Like I could see Jahan Dotson right now in your rookie dynasty draft goes like pick 2.2, 1.11. If he lands in like a six spot like that, like I can see him getting pushed up to like one, five, one, six, but you know, George Pickens, if he lands in the nuts spot because he profiles more like a proper NFL wide receiver, could make it all the way up to like well, the 103. Let's, let's talk about some of these profiles and let's start really at the top. So yeah, let's let's rapid react with some profiles of the of the potential first round wide receivers. And the consensus top guy right now is Garrett Wilson. Give me his background. What is his deal? Okay, so Ohio State has two wide receivers that are probably in the top five, right? Uh there's there's Garrett Wilson. And there's Chris Olave. And a big debate of the offseason is, who do you like? Do you like Garrett Wilson or do you like Chris Olave? Now, Olave was a, a true senior. Um, Garrett Wilson, I believe, is an underclassman, early declare. Let me, I'll have to double-check that. I'll check the age. I, I believe that is the case right there. And they're two different types of receivers. I personally have Olave a little higher, not because I don't think he – I think that um, Garrett Wilson has probably more upside – but Alave, I don't think can fail. I think he's too big to fail. I think you're, you're looking at a, uh, a Jarvis Landry type of thing where and you'll a, get a T Higgins situation. 
Uh, T. Higgins totally is is a you know a more of a proper alpha. Chris Olave is more of a route runner. Now these guys are not big. I I believe one eighty nine and one eighty three respectively, both around six feet tall. So this seems to be the new prototype of wide receivers in the NFL. Now Olave, I from what I've observed, can fit into any system. You don't have to. He doesn't have to be in a specific system. Uh, Olave, he could you know run underneath. He can he can go deep. Uh, you know, he there's been some, the knock on him is that he doesn't have any yards after the catch. Once he gets hit, that's it. He's going down. Garrett Wilson, who's the consensus top again, feels like he has some upside. Doesn't feel like the typical number one wide receiver. And it's going to be tough if he lands on a bad team. I mean, of course, that's for any receiver. So there, you know, he is one of the three players who could go at the top of most drafts. I don't think he's, you know, I, he might be the consensus one, but it's not by much. At the top, also, you have Drake London out of UFC, who's, I mean, he's like the prototypical, uh, you know, Calvin Johnson, uh, Des Bryant type, where he's the big wide receiver, six foot four, two, what was he about 218 pounds? Uh, Drake London actually spent his his freshman year at a USC playing basketball. So he's that typical box out type of guy. And the third guy who could go to the top is the type of wide receiver that you hate, Geek. Jameson Williams out oh, of Alabama. My guy. The speedster. <laughs> he, he tore his ACL in the college championship game back in December. But by all accounts, everything's going well. We don't worry about torn ACLs right now. There is talk that he could be the first wide receiver off the board to Atlanta uh, early on, I believe they picked four. Uh, they picked five four, or six. Four point three forty. For who? Uh, for for Jameson Winston. They have him. At, Jameson uh, Williams. Yeah. Yeah, Jameson Winston. What I said. <laughs> <laughs> Jameson Williams. But he. So when you when you say speedster, there are speedsters like Tyreek Hill who can route run and they're great across the board. They can take it. They can catch a pass and kind of yak it to the house or they can go deep. What is, what is Jameson Winston profile? Is this, is this like a, he said Winston again, uh, I'm going to keep doing it. I can Jameson. Come on. Uh, is, is Williams more it's Jameis like, Winston and Jameson Williams. Jameson it, Williams. I get that stuck. I, I glitch on that too, but yeah, the way. that's, that's, you know, I'm going to glitch on that many times for many years, unfortunately, but is that, this is like more of a Hank rug situation without the drunk driving stuff. Ooh, sorry. I, I went there, but that's the player that came to my mind. That guy, yeah. I was like, oh, rugs. He's so unproductive, just fast. Yeah, and Jameson like Williams him. is a stud, man. He, he, you know, age 21, uh, six foot one, 180 pounds. I mean, Devonta Smith. No, well, well Devonta, Devonta Smith was lighter and not as big. I don't know. I just, he, he was definitely the most, he'd probably be in the conversation for the, for the unquestioned wide receiver one in this class if he hadn't been injured in the, okay. you know, in December. So it, it depends on what team he goes to, but I mean, I just can't imagine NFL teams seem to love players like this. The speed guy that can route run. He's a good player, but I have to admittedly say I've become a little bit more cautious, let's say with these type of, of wide receivers, uh, you know, versus a little bit more of the sure thing types with, I mean, he's the upside play. I mean, he's the one that could break fantasy if you get, and he's falling to like pick one, seven, one, eight, he's probably moving up a little bit now to one, five. Um, you know, he, it's amazing you can, that it, degenerates are, are drafting rookies ahead of the NFL. I know because some of our leagues want to yeah. do that too. And I'm like, no. Give me the information. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Kenneth Walker is undoubtedly the running back is going ahead of him in the early rookie mock drafts. And you could be sitting there eight months from now just sick to your stomach because 
Jamison Williams is breaking fantasy. He's getting these games where it's like six for 120 and two touchdowns. And Kenneth Walker is having trouble, um, you know, dominating touch share in his own backfield with like eight, nine touches, you know, maybe having more of a, you know, low end Josh Jacobs type of, of, of season one, you know? Yeah, no, I hear it. And, and um, a big name that we haven't really discussed yet in the first round. And this was a guy that was looked at at, at some points also as the WR one of this class has the size has the way. I mean, I love this guy and I want to know why I shouldn't, maybe the speed situation wasn't that great. Traylon Burks. Yeah. Okay. He was at one point. I mean, he's got this six, two, two twenties, like a running He's Debo Samuel here could run be a running back or a wide receiver all in one spot. This style of guy is desirable now in the NFL. Yeah, on paper, Traylon Burks, man, right? It's like yeah, six I don't foot know. two, two twenty four. He was the consensus one one. There was, and then what happened was he tested poorly. Uh, he, I mean, his official forty dash time, I believe, once they it was like four five five. And again, I don't think anyone was mistaking him for a blazer. I mean, on, on school, on 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 film, he looks good. But the problem, the knock on him, let's say is that he was getting a lot of slants, a lot of short passes. Uh, there wasn't a lot of things that people are, people are finding reasons to push him down. And there's been some shine taken off Traylon Burks. I mean, he was originally mocked as a top 10 pick, and then he was in the teens, and now he's looking like the 20s. Some are saying that the Cowboys could take him a little bit later on in the draft. Let me see where the Cowboys pick exactly. Underrated in. landing spot for a wide receiver. Not great, not my favorite. Underrated, though. Um yeah, I'm looking in round one right here. Um, I just have to, let's say, oh, Dallas picks at 24. Yeah, so that's the prime. That's a, that's a good spot for Traylon Burks. Now, I, I think he's a little bit more of a mystery because he produced well in college, uh, you know, didn't test well. But, you know, all it takes is a team and the right opportunity. If You know, Jerry Jones is a notorious because he went to Arkansas. He's like, oh, and if he likes his guy that went to Arkansas and they take him, I mean, Could I think it, that's a great landing spot. Could you know, there be maybe, a dumber reason to draft somebody than Chris? he wanted to take J Johnny Manziel? Remember they I had to the talk. About I remember, like, don't let, don't let his kids took over. His kids are like, his kids are. You know how you're like with your dad now. You're like, he's he's like he makes all stupid decisions, and you're like that. Listen, <laughs> I let got me this. handle this one, okay? All right, right. all right. Let like, me, taking the car keys away from grandpa. Let me let me let me handle this, okay? Let me have the discussion with the waitress about the table they sat us in. Don't, don't start, don't start screaming. Take it easy. You know, a crazy dad. Let's, let's relax. That's what, that's what Jerry Jones's kids are like right now. Like that show. Yeah. We're not bringing on crazy. And do you men. remember, by the way, when they passed on uh, Johnny Manziel, do you remember who they took? That year? Was it Zeke? No, no, no. Cause you know, uh, Manziel was like in the middle. Of, it was like, you know, it was like in the teens or something like that. It was like, pick 12 or 15 or something. I, I just, so, I can't remember what year it was now. Yeah. So here we go. Ago? It was, I'll put it this way. It's a, it's a locked in, in my judgment, first ballot hall of famer lineman, Zach Martin. Oh, there it is. So, yeah. so you good. ended up, so you passed on Johnny Manziel, which would have been a disaster. And then you ended up with an all timer hall of famer lineman, which built that, that remember when those like three years where oh, they had that the Dallas line. line. Yeah, yeah. Which Dallas needs to get back to if they're going to be good. Um, 
again. And yeah. so, by the way, Traylon Burks, I'm in on was the consensus. I love Traylon Burks. By you're going to you're going to get him in like one five, one six right now. Uh, he could land in Green Bay too. Green Bay needs an alpha wide receiver. So any of the what Traylon Burks has got the talent to be the first overall wide receiver, but he's got the benefit of where he's going to probably land on a better team. I mean, he could. Uh, I mean, he's got a lot of AJ Brown, Des Bryant to his game on. Yeah. Uh, Player profiler has his comparable at Jordy Nelson. And would not a nice comp? That's a good comp. Yeah. And would it be interesting for him to wind up in with the Packers in the Jordy Nelson role? Yeah, that's now, a good call let, right there. Let's talk about a couple guys that might sneak their way back into the first round that are a fringe guys. And then we'll talk about some potential bets here because I want to know your side of the over under six and a half situation. That's a that's a 50-50 bet right now. So that well, is that is a legit bet situation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's probably a little bit of a sucker's bet, but I like the over because yes. my bold call uh, that I just uh, I popped out a, a TikTok on. I'm going to do a bold video call. on eight is eight wide receivers in the first round. Yeah, and so the previous record geek is seven wide receivers in the first round. That was in 2004. Larry Fitzgerald, the headed headline that wide receiver class. This year, I think five are locked in. One or two are about. 70% to get in, uh, sorry about, uh, I would say 50, 50 to get in. And then there's one that's probably like Christian Watson out of North Dakota state is probably like 35% chance again. He's more likely top around two type of, uh, wide receiver, but it could happen. So I'm going to smash the over on that. Uh, it's six and a half, but like I said, a month ago when we were touting it, it was at five and a half. When we cut this up, it's smash the over right there. I want a, a thing up there, but I'm going to tell you something. You had a, Brilliant reasoning in your breakdown for why a team might want to squeeze mm. another wide receiver. And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna steal your thunder. I want oh, yeah. you to explain the the brilliance. And and we talked about this for uh, obviously. Well, we talked about it for for quarterbacks as well. So it's not completely new. But why would a team kind of like they're looking at a few different positions at the end of the first round? Why are they saying, you know what, let's let's grab the wide receiver, even if it's a little early here. And here's why. Explain it. Yeah, I mean, wide receiver, the prices to maintain elite wide receivers and even wide receivers with, you know, some upside has is inflated in the NFL. We saw Christian Kirk an $18 million a year deal. So with wide receiver prices on the rise, it is beneficial to draft a wide receiver in the first round because rookie contracts for first round players last for five years. If you take a wide receiver, or any position player in the outer rounds, two or later, it's a four year contract. Now we saw the elite players after three years want to renegotiate anyway, but look, someone like Debo Samuel, who is arguing says he wants to be traded has no leverage. He's going to be playing on the San Francisco 49ers unless he decides not to play. But even then the new CBA doesn't allow players to hold out without massive penalty. So with wide receiver inflation on the rise, this is going to drive teams if they think there's a lead upside to take more wide receivers in the first round. That could fuel the over on yeah. this number. So that that is the fuel for the over. The price of a mediocre Christian Kirk sends shockwaves. Mike Williams, $20 million a year. I mean, a mediocre Mike Williams. By the way, sorry, mediocre Mike Williams. You're going to upset some people with that one. I don't care. I don't care. You know what? You've had five years to produce. Five years. And not... Five years on not this ain't this ain't no Terry McLaurin situation. He's had five years with elite quarterback play to produce. I'm sorry. Five years, guys. Five year breakout. No, it's, it's year six. It's too late. It's too That's, late. Why is Mike is Williams WR20? Who is the brilliant genius? All right. Who thinks that Mike? Williams, 
ADPs are crazy. ADPs well, do you know crazy. where Mike Williams finished last year? Wide receiver what? My, he had a decent year. I'm going to say 27. Wide receiver 13. Mike Williams? Yeah. Remember, because, okay, it's it was also fueled by, do you remember the first six or seven weeks he was wide receiver one or two? And he then had he a just, couple good, yeah, but, but he it had was like five weeks, weeks where he went But it doesn't nuts. matter because they played him in a certain role for a minute. Remember when that new offensive coordinator said, hey, he's going to be, he's going to be the Mike Thomas of our team. And when they did it, he produced really well. But what did they do five weeks into the season? They shifted him back for, no real i couldn't understand why like listen here's his fantasy point game log through the first three weeks of the season 22 fantasy points 22 fantasy points 34 fantasy points okay then he had a down week then he had a 40 fantasy point week but from there it was more of like single digit stuff so he did he just came out of the gates hard and that buoyed his fantasy value i still like him because we love justin herbert um you know keenan allen is certainly in the very late peak of his of his career uh there's there's some talk that the chargers could draft one of these wide receivers chris Olave, who would like i told you could plug and play at all yeah although they paid they really paid mike williams but but that's more reason to get a rookie so you have them on a rookie contract maybe the the only way to me that Mike Williams has a smash season, and again, we're going off topic here, but it's fine. It's it's it, Keenan Allen gets hurt or something happens because or they change his role again to what he did in the beginning of the season. Because yeah, I jumped on board. I had a lot of Mike Williams exposure, and he killed your fantasy teams for all that greatness that he did the first five weeks. He ruined your team the second half of the season for the most part. I mean, single digit numbers week after week for PPR wide receivers just horrible. That those aren't those aren't like eh. Those are horrible numbers. Like you cannot have multiple weeks of sixes and eights. So yeah, it, it was tough. So let let's let's jump out of the first round of wide receiver real quick and give me some of your favorite sort of late sleepers, some guys that aren't going to be in the top ten, but you really like that that have potential to break out. That I'm looking at in the third round, second or third round of my dynasty draft. Going, huh? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, this guy, he has, he has a shot, somebody who fell injury, you know, my, my little specials, give me some, give me some names. Okay. Somebody that I liked and he was going before the the combine, he was uh, going in the like er, late first round of the dynasty rookie drafts and just tested really poorly as David Bell out of Purdue, David Bell, six foot one, 210 pounds, uh, just was really slow when he ran. I think he ran a four, six, five, 15th percentile. I mean, that is just slow, but his college production, man, he just found a way to get it done. So this is where I think the dynasty market is missing. David Bell was a pro, was a likely second round real NFL pick, and with his poor testing, could fall to like the fourth round. If he makes it into the third round, you're going to see his value buoyed a little bit, but because of his below average athleticism, but he produced. You see, I like guys like this. They're able to produce despite their level of athleticism. That means they're good at football. So right now in Dynasty Rookie Drafts, Geek, he's going in like the late third round, mid-third round. But you're passing on running backs for him. So I like him a bit more, uh, especially if he can get on the field right away. So David Bell out of Purdue is my guy that everyone hates that I'm still in on right now. Do you have examples of wide receivers that run a 4 6 5 Aquan Bolden that's in the NFL besides Anquan Bolden, the most, the, 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 the classic slow wide receiver example that everybody wants to Cooper use. cup. Wasn't fast. <laughs> I he forgot what four fives. Let, let's, let's see what uh Cooper cup ran real quick here. All right. If I pull up cup, uh, his, let's see, 
his 40 time. Sorry about the slow. Uh, his 40 time was 4.62. Not that far off. That's pretty bad. Michael Crabtree was a slow wide receiver. Okay. He was a productive NFL wide receiver. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. He was a, he was a productive player. Solid fantasy asset. Yeah, and that's what David Bell is. If, yeah. my, if David Bell can be Michael Crabtree, I'm happy with that getting him in the third round. Michael Crabtree was, was a, a plug-and-play starter for your team for like two and a half, three years. Totally fine. Totally fine. Um, Give me – dig deep. Dig deep. Give me one more – wide receiver prospect, not quite at the top of the radar that uh, I should be paying attention to in my dynasty rookie draft. Yeah. And the just one during that, the real NFL draft. Mm, yeah. The, the Bo Melton is, uh, is a player that a lot of the dynasty players like, I'm not sure what the NFL is going to think of him. Uh, Bo Melton, I believe I'm just double checking. Now, I believe he went to uh, Rutgers. I, let me double check that. Uh, small school, obviously small school program, but worked out really well. Uh, Bo Melton, Rutgers. let's see. Yeah, it yeah. was Rutgers. Okay. Five foot 11, 189 pounds, 4.3440. Uh, yeah. Blaze at the combine had a lot of dog in them. Uh, you know, some rock solid, uh, production despite poor, um, quarterback play at Rutgers. If, if he gets fourth or fifth round draft capital, he's a guy that could play on special teams. So that means he'll make the roster. And it's one of those guys, if you're, you're throwing late darts in the late third round, early fourth round, Melton is, is, is going to be better athletically than a lot of the guys that go in the second and third round. And like I said, you know, you get a, let's say the Vikings draft him. Adam Thielen's old, often injured. We saw Amir Marset um, get on the field last year and actually be productive late in the year. Uh, uh, so, yeah, he had, yeah. He, had a, he had a big game at the end. So yeah. it, it, put it this way. If you drafted Amir Marset in your rookie draft in the fourth round, you're not dropping him based on you saw a flash. Now, someone like Josh Palmer, who you took in the second round, you're debating whether you can even keep him if you no, have. I'm Palmer. I think Palmer has got potential. Right, it's got potential, but you probably don't feel good about him this year as you did last year, whereas Marset, you feel better about him than when you drafted him. So I think that's what Melton can provide is that if he does get an opportunity, and he probably should, is somebody that you're going to want. If you're in the fourth round of your rookie draft, uh, you know he might even slip to the fifth. Melton's a guy that I, I do like based on his athletic testing and, like I said, his ability to play special teams. Really good metrics. All right, so before I let you go, any other bets? Um, futures bets, draft bets that you're looking at right now ahead of next week's draft. Uh, we talked about the over five and a, the over five and a half, six and a half, six and a half at wide receiver. Risky, but yeah, I, yeah, I do like I it. That. I don't think it's super risky. I think that that is a really comfortable bet. I mean, last I, if you, if you don't mind laying a lot of money, like minus seven hundred. I mean, I do. It, That's a terrible. Yeah, bet. it's an insane bet. But under under point five tight ends, there's no tight ends going in the first round of this draft. I, I, that should be like minus eleven hundred. Trey McBride. Yeah, Trey McBride is the only one that could possibly. I mean, he could sneak. You could see uh, if Gronk doesn't come back. I could see the. Uh, Tampa Bay grabbing him late. I mean, they, you know, to develop another tight end. Trey McBride's a good pass catcher. He's been falling, though. You uh, might I, not know this. I text with Gronk. <laughs> yeah, we've hung. And we've he's, hung. He's, he's coming back, not, right? Not, he's coming not, back. Not, not Rob, Billy. Uh, but but okay. still, it doesn't matter. One of, his bro, his bro. We're buds. And we DM. He's coming back. He's coming back. Yeah, I I, uh, I hope in, so. I'm trying to get in with Rob. I've been I'm playing the long game. Uh, by the way, a minus seven hundred is 
is stupid advice. Never take that advice from me because if you lose, it's just not worth it, you know? So uh, uh, the one other bet I, I think is a, a pretty savvy bet is the no running backs in the first round. Again, you're paying a 190, but I think that's a good price. At this point, the, the, you would think the betting market would have it at like a minus 225. So anything under 200, I don't mind laying a small one-unit bet on that one. I love I love that bet because you're really just watching one team. You're watching the Bills, and if they don't, if they don't pull the trigger on – Hall, then you're you're scot free. We we knew that last season though with Harris, and, but the odds yeah. were 50 50 because you thought the Steelers were going to take them and they did. All right. Well, the last year, I think the uh, the it was was the odds a half or was it one and a half? It was a half. Okay. It was just well, that the was one good guy. Bet. It was just the All one. Right, now, um, uh, let's the the QB prop. What are you seeing right now? I mean, I still like three quarterbacks in the first round. I think it's two and a half right now. Oh, but if it's set at three and a half, I, I still like it. I, I mean, we're going to get Malik Willis in the first round. Um, I, I think I still, Pickett could drop out of the first round. That's he the could guy. drop out, but here's the reason why Pickett, it, it would be a bold call for him to drop out of the first round is because, okay, we know Carolina needs a, a quarterback at six, right? So if they don't take him, then the next, the next level is New Orleans needs a quarterback, right? They're in the teens. Pittsburgh needs a quarterback. They're at 20. Now, Pittsburgh, yeah. Kenny Pickett played at the University of Pittsburgh, right? It's like, it's the same stadium, I believe. I mean, so there's another possibility. There's a lot of teams that need. We can and do then, a whole, yeah, we could do a whole and, show about teams that need quarterbacks. Yeah, and then also Pickett could, uh, there's also the teams that are going to trade back up into the first round if Pickett slips because you get that fifth-year option. You know, Tennessee is a sneaky team to take a quarterback to, to back up Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, they, you know, he he fell off a little bit last year. I mean, they may not want to roll with him going into 2023. So that could be a team that, that grabs. A I've got, all right. I've got one for you. This is a, a Soslowski special. I'm throwing this right at you. QB position. I don't want to dive too deep in the QB position here, yeah. but after Malik Willis, you know, there's a lot of names here. There's a lot of names that could go. Who do you think is the second guy off the board? Right now, it's looking like Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter, you know, but I would say Corral is probably, he was the consensus one at one point, uh, you know, it fell off, came back on. Now there's momentum. I mean, he's attending the green room in, in, uh, on Thursday. Oh, so he, maybe he's got Matt Corral. Yeah. At Ole Miss. What, what, what's, uh, give me a breakdown. What's the profile of Matt Corral? What should I, what, is he a runner? Are there any other running quarterbacks, fantasy gold quarterbacks beyond yeah. potentially with, uh, Malik? Yeah, Desmond Ritter, man, he's a running quarterback from Cincinnati. He uh, he profiles more like a Marcus Mariota type. Uh, you know, mounted up to like fifty plus wins in college. Uh, you know, came out he, at the Senior Bowl, looked all right. Uh, you know, Desmond Ritter is, is a player that it, I've I've seen mocked to New Orleans in the teens. Could be this year's Daniel Jones in the sense where he he surprises some by by his uh, high draft capital. He could end up being the second quarterback off the board. We might see a team jump up. No one expected Daniel Jones nope. to be the second quarterback that year. Everyone was thinking it was going to be Dwayne Haskins, and then it just took uh, Gettleman to reach up. Uh, and pick six and take him. So uh, Ritter, even though he is a running quarterback, is more of a straight line runner, not a side to side agility. And that can, you know, it, once he breaks through the first level, could take it to the house. So uh, I like it. Even Matt Corral ran a lot of like RPO stuff. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett's mobile too. I mean, if Kenny Pickett, that famous highlight where he fakes the dive and goes down, and then uh, they actually changed the rule because of him. Hmm. Uh, when he did the fake slide and then kept running. So all these guys have some mobility. Malik Willis being the highest one has got, you know, he has that Michael Vick type of mobility. So, yeah, I'm interested in Will. I, I, I know that people are not talking about him as this incredible 
in real life quarterback, but I see, I see a, maybe a potential better version of Jalen hurts, which is fantasy gold. Oh, yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I would say the upside for Malik Willis is uh, is probably Mike Vick, and I would say the downside is probably, and this is not even bad. This is meant as a as a safe downside is probably Tyrod Taylor, who when he was you know starting was was a good fantasy quarterback. You were happy. You got you got rushing yardage and competent passing out of him. Quality QB production. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there. Says uh, yo, follow guys. Give this guy a follow on Twitter. He's spitting knowledge nuggets on the regular. And I love your I love your TikTok page as well. At Alan Seslowski. It's on the screen. Give him a follow. He is the man to know, to ask questions of. Super helpful. And of course, the Bold Call Fantasy Football Podcast. We're breaking down everything from Dynasty to Superflex. Best ball playing best ball all off season. So stick around, like subscribe, subscribe to the channel, notification button, all that stuff. And we will see you next time on another bulk call. Take care, everybody. Good luck.